Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. People, welcome to episode 101 of the Pop Collaborate and Listen podcast. My name is Dave Fensom. I'm joined as ever by my very good friend, Mr. Krista Greer. Hey, everybody. Uh, and this is the second in our two-part specials episode that we're doing really just for ourselves more than anyone else. Oh, this is self-congratulatory all over, really. Yeah, it? yeah. This just gives us a chance to, uh, you know, to, to take a, a little oasis uh, in the in the middle of fucking some of the bad records that have been out in 1993. Mm, uh, 1903? 1904? 1904. Fucking hell, I can't talk. Um, and, yeah, so this is um, about a record that we, uh, you know, spoilers, both like very, very much. Absolutely. Uh, this is Soundgarden's uh, third studio album, uh, Super Unknown. Fourth? Oh, okay. Are we, are, we, are, we count, are we counting Ultra Mega OK? Well, I suppose that is the question, yes. Because um, it goes Ultra Mega OK, Louder Than, louder than Love. love. Bad Motor Finger, Super Unknown. Yeah. I think it counts as a full album, doesn't it, Ultra Mega? It's I'm not, not just sure. an EP. I mean, I often hear this referred to as a third I album, but, you know, I mean, certainly Ultra Mega OK doesn't, it's kind of a, fan, a super fans album, isn't it? Indeed. And I think it was one of the, I didn't know it before, yeah. you know, I, I wasn't there at the beginning, any of this. Um, but Ultra Mega OK is a very different style, I think, uh, to yeah. what they progressed on to I mean there's there's definite progression with each of them but I think Ultra Mega OK is kind of classed as a very separate band really. yeah I mean that's like you two know, different members as well it's Vulgar Display of Power Pantera's second studio album or their eighth studio well, album sure. or, you know, yeah, that, anyway. but anyway so this is an, uh, an album so we, we've talked about uh, we've talked about Soundgarden previously you know it's fair to say we're both fans so when this album was coming out Crystal were you excited for it to come out I was excited I wasn't a really big fan beforehand is the mm-hmm. thing so uh, I was coming in because there was a lot of hype about it and by the time I was becoming aware of Soundgarden the bands I was into were into Soundgarden and they were talking about it I hadn't been into it before because it we've said before many times um, that it kind of depends on what your mates are into in the circles you're listening to music yeah. and it depends is what is getting played in the clubs you're going to and this was like Soundgarden weren't getting played in the early 90s in the clubs I was going to so I wasn't hearing Outshined and right. Rusty Cage and stuff like that. I didn't hear those until after I'd heard this album. Right. Right. So I was excited because I was getting the hype through the press and through other bands that I knew being excited mm-hmm. for it, but I wasn't excited as a fan because I wouldn't have classed myself as a fan like that. Okay. So what about yourself? Uh, I mean, I really liked uh, Bad Might Finger. Yeah. I really, really loved, obviously, the big tracks off of it, Outshine, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ Pose. Brilliant. Um, but by the time this album came out, I was really immersed in this record. And it was one of, you know, it was it was an album that I really, really enjoyed. Obviously, it's got a kind of slightly more metal end mm-hmm. of uh, what that, that grunge thing was. A lot of Sabbath worship that takes place throughout that record. Sure. Um, and, you know, they were they were, they were up there with the bands that I was really excited about. Uh, that said, 
this record coming out, there was so much stuff around that I was like, yeah, I'll be into that, but it wasn't like a day one purchase for okay, me. Okay, sure. However, this was a, a Soundgarden were a band that were very, very big amongst my group of mates. It was one of the main things that we all kind of agreed on. I see, right. So I started to hear this album on day one. And is, uh, it was agreed on because they had the associations with even Guns N' Roses because they have a tour like uh, with, with mm. them in the States. Um, and so it was the more kind of the hard rock fans, the classic rock fans, and the grunge kids as well. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, not so much Guns N' Roses because I was, you know, not a lot of my mates. Guns N' Roses kind of weren't that cool at that point. So I was kind of... Oh, no, only... no, not in 94. But if you're saying from like 92, 93. Yeah, still... but like when this, when this, I mean, still like when I, like my group of mates that I was hanging around with this kind of were universally the opinion that Guns N' Roses were a bit naff. Okay. Right? And, I, and I wasn't. I, uh, that was, you're still that, into that, it. That was my fucking band still. Yeah. Our group kind of waned from like, you know, the kind of the more out, art rocky kind of outliers, you know, kind of the Jane's Addiction, Primus, Primus, Fishbone, Tool, Rollins Band, all the way across to like, you know, the kind of the Jimmy, you know, Jimi Hendrix, Cream. Okay, uh, proper classic classic. rock. And, you know, Led Zeppelin. So, Uh you know, like, and I would say the kind of the two most unifying bands that that were in that group were probably uh, Led Zeppelin and... Soundgarden. They're, oh, I see. Okay, they're probably the the bands that we most agree that everyone kind of liked. Gotcha. Right. Uh, whereas Nine Inch Nails would have been a me band, you know, as we spoke about last week. Yeah, it was very much a me band. And th- there was like, factions of us that liked Tool, factions of us that liked these bits. Mm. And but yeah, in the centre, in a so, Venn diagram, that would be the yeah, biggest piece. Exactly. Okay. Right. So I ended up hearing this album a lot, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot. Like you say, you weren't going out day one to buy it because you had to have it, but it sort of. But built and built, yeah, and, built. and I'd say that nice. you know, in respect, I mean, you know, our, our good friend Darren, friend of the show, Darren, yep. he ended up going to the secret launch gig that they did at Shepherd's Bush Empire for Holy this gig. Shit. So he came back from that, and there was a lot of hype from there. And I think he bought this album day one. I seem well, to remember him having like a special edition of it, and I'm some kind of digi pack that doesn't fit in your fucking. Oh, yeah, one of those, of course. You know. um, but yeah, so I was excited about this album mm-hmm. very, very, very early doors. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an album that I know very, very well. It's not the same. I mean, this, this isn't an album for me that's like Nine Inch Nails, which I have constantly, constantly revisited. It was an album that I did that with for for a very, very long time, but mm-hmm. I haven't actually listened to this in its whole. For a few years, because probably because I listen to it so much. Okay, you know, yeah, I, I get that. You know, sometimes you yeah. know, it sometimes come things become a little bit ubiquitous. I don't think I've listened to this album in its entirety since Chris Cornell died. Okay, and I'll be honest with you, I think it's made me hear it slightly differently as well. Really, this is uh, as a revisit. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. What, what was your take on where they sat in the kind of the pantheon of those bands? Oh, uh, they weren't high up for me mm-hmm. um, because uh, I wasn't into them before. Um, I had a kind of a hangover image of them as being too metal for me because right. back in '91, I was very into Nirvana. Yeah. But I wasn't into, let's say, Metallica, for sure. example, right? And the people who I knew who were into Soundgarden at that time were the the, the tight denim, long, greasy hair-wearing sure. metalers. And so I had a bit of a a thing going, well, they're probably not for me. And so I I wouldn't have put them in the uh, the same bracket as Nirvana or uh, anyone else I was into, Mudhoney, that time. They were a bit too shiny and rock. They were a bit uh, Kerrang versus Melody Maker. Yeah, they were. They absolutely were. And so uh, it wasn't until this album that I uh, properly 
listened to any Soundgarden, but this album made me go, oh, fuck, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, absolutely banging. But uh, I, I hadn't done anything before. I think the only t- other thing I'd heard of theirs was they had a, a song on the No Alternative compilation, yeah. which I fucking loved. And I really liked the Soundgarden one, but uh, I didn't go, I, want, I need to hear more of Soundgarden. Fair enough. I understand that. Uh, right, so just a couple of, a bit of background. Um, this was a massive, this was the breakthrough album. Yeah. You know, everyone says this is the one that made them big. Uh, it went to number one in the States, as well as in Australia, Canada, New Zealand. Uh, it sold over 300,000 in the States in its first week alone. So it was, it was huge on the back of a lot of MTV and radio play. Even though, like, Bad Motorfinger had gained a lot of acclaim, etc., that album hadn't sold loads and loads and loads. You know, so this was the one that, that broke them through, uh, but it didn't go to number one in the UK, which is why that we do, we're not doing it as part of our normal thing. Sure. It, we're doing it as a special. It got to number four, so it was still mm-hmm. well re- well received over here. This has continued to sell. This is still their best selling album. Yeah. You know, this still contains their best selling songs, mm-hmm. the most played songs. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, so it, it, it like it goes on and on and on. And I did buy this in the first week, uh, partly because at that time I was DJing, and yeah. so I was playing rock clubs, and it was one of the ones, oh, you, you should have this, you know. And when, when you say this, uh, I should point out that um, you've just picked up the vinyl record. I have got, yes. Because so got... this is radio, Krista. Oh, right, yeah, true. <laughs> uh, I have a lovely uh, limited edition coloured vinyl, orange vinyl uh, of this album, uh, Gateful Slave, one of those ridiculously... Overblown things, which is lovely to look at. Oh, it's very, very nice. Beautiful um, thing. And I do remember that my girlfriend at the time also bought it, and she got a different, she got the uh, sort of the cream-coloured one. I've got the orange-coloured okay. vinyl. And she suggested at the time, oh, should we swap one each? So we've got a, a kind of a unique one each, one one orange, one cream. And the anal dickhead in me went, no, I can't do it. No, no. Can't, cannot swap. Absolutely no. not. No, I have to keep this in. Intact. Oh, no, 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 no. So I didn't. I've still got the two orange vinyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. What, what, what an idea. Who's. Oh, no, exactly. Wishing an anarchist. <laughs> it was madness. It was pure madness. <laughs> I couldn't do that, man. No, God. But, the, yeah, so there you go. We've got the, the cover in front of us. We always talk about the cover. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, I mean, what you've got is got some. Uh, I mean, is that the? I, I don't actually know what that is. I kind of, is that Chris Cornell? It, it is. Um, there was a, a post I saw which Kevin Westerberg, the photographer, did mm-hmm. lots of enemies. You know, all, all the, the, the big mags. He took the photo, and is essentially it is a photo of the entire band. Yeah. Then it's been treated and sort of the darkness brought up from behind, and so it melds some of them completely out of the yeah, picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's Chris Cornell in in the middle, yeah. and people often think that the two things on the side are like his hands and yeah. so it's, it's him I think it's known as the screaming elf image uh-huh. but those are That's other members of the band like his- and then there's uh, which I had never even noticed before this bit at the, the bottom which is the, the black and white uh, fade is an upside down forest, and oh. I'd never even thought that. By that, yeah, because I mean, I I presume that that was water with a forest reflection I in see. it, but it's been kind of treated to look like that, hasn't it? Right, yeah, but it, yeah, that is uh, an upside down forest because they thought that a lot of the, the the sound of this record was kind of in the woodsy, yeah, you know, dark in the forest, uh, the monsters be there, that sort of thing. And obviously, all of the the singles and bits and pieces had a very similar look, didn't they? Very much so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got three of the four singles on picture disc vinyl and they all tie in okay so look so the first track on this one is called let me drown right now that right there there, to me is one of the most memorable openings to a record that's wonderful i i I, I don't know whether it's because i've heard it so much 
for that. Just that thing. Just straighten that. Ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. That fucking held note, and then boom, mm. straight in crystal. You know, scratch the skin over my hands. You know. Yeah, some uh, weird imagery already. You know, and there's this this thing. So we're in with this pace. Uh huh. We've just got this effortless reach that kind of symbolises Chris Cornell's vocal. Okay. You know? Yep. And heart. The interesting thing is, a lot of the time when you listen to those kind of histrionic singers, like when we talk about Mariah, we talk about okay, yeah. You know, we will talk about Celine and things like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. It. Re- you know, they make a real thing about how much they're straining for the note, like the effort it's going to. Whereas mm-hmm. Chris Cornell almost sounds the other. It, almost, a lot of the time, it sounds like he's trying to keep his voice under control. Like yes. he's just got this thing. That he's got to control, and then it just it gets out, and he pulls it back. I've said I I, I think it simultaneously sounds like he's hardly trying at all, but he's also belting it out mm-hmm. top of his lungs. I've got the exact same same uh, image in my head of him just going, yeah, this is this is happening. I'm I can do all this, but I'm not making a show. Yeah, exactly. It's the same with Lane Staley. Whenever you see him sing, and he's just fucking standing there, middle of the stage. Doing some outrageous vocals, yeah. I, you know. I mean, uh, look, Chris Cornell was just—you know—you you can't we can't talk about Soundgarden mm-hmm. without talking about the fact that you know, Chris Cornell is uh, in, in a band of incredible players. Yes, he is far away to stand up because he's just got that generational voice. No, no yeah. one in that generation, no one, no one had a no one had a better voice. No, absolutely, That's, and it's it's distinct and it's it's uh, very unique. But it's also absolutely pristine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you say like this is a band of incredible players, and it really is. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, but um, if you go back to the Ultra Mega OK days, I think it's only Kim Thayo and uh, Chris Cornell who have lasted mm. the whole uh, way through. But Kim is a brilliant guitarist. Yeah, you know he shreds like a bastard. Uh-huh. But by the time we've got to this album and we've got this particular lineup. One thing I noticed about, and this song especially, listening to it properly, you know, on headphones, etc., I was going, the drums on this are oh, so Matt good. Cameron, man. What Matt a Cameron's fucking brilliant. drama. And, I, and, yeah. and as well, like, the most underrated part of Soundgarden is Ben Shepard. What a fucking oh, bass player. Brilliant. Oh, my God. There, there's some bits in here where I've gone, oh, fuck, yeah, that does sound great for, like, the bass part. But in general, it's just perfectly supporting. So, yeah, so this track is what, obviously, so we, we have this, it, 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 obviously, that give up the greed, you don't have to need, feed mm-hmm. me, you know, that mm-hmm. big kind of chorus, goes around twice, and we're into this kind of, kind of, uh, like, brief respite that it gives you in the, the yep. kind of the bridge, and then straight back in oh. here, right? This has got all of the good grunge stuff in it, right? Uh-huh. It's got, you know, big fucking splashy drums, big beats, wig-out guitars, like kind of 70s-infused wig-out guitars, the, yep. the urgency... But this song in it of itself, it's a world away from snotty grunge of made by teenagers of ninety two. This sure. sounds grown up, it sounds uh, it sounds put together with poison intent, man. It's, a, it's just sure, a great yeah, yeah. calling card for the rest of this record. Oh, I think it's a great opening tune. Yeah. Uh, because it does crash in and there's also there are some uh, longish songs on the album this isn't one of them it's it's in it does what it does and then it's out again yeah, like yeah, this yeah. Um, I think it's a, it's a fantastic opener one way to think of it is uh, they know what they want they are clever uh, they have the 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 nice to go produce it like this or whenever they brought in the new, new producers as well they, uh-huh. they had new people working on this record they went this is what we're after and the producers were kind of pushing them to do 
uh, more and more interesting stuff. They ha- they have no compunction about just going fuck it. Let's do a weird time signature. There, I mean, this no album's, not album's absolutely loaded with weird time. But oh, I, think, sure. I think the interesting thing about the weird time signatures in this is a lot of the time you don't notice because no. they're not you know it's not like it's, it's not, not for the like, sake of it yeah it's you know even like you know my favorite band is pretty much tool but mm-hmm. a lot of time you hear those time and you're like oh you're being clever oh totally like, it is oh, you're doing you're, this because you can yeah you're doing a lot of the time it's like oh i didn't even notice that was yeah. I, I presume that was four four until i thought about it, it exactly you go oh no that's not it's yeah whatever but this this you know is doing a, a little kind of weird thing and there's a lot of uh, drums that come back onto uh, on itself to finish off a yeah, bit. Yeah. There's, there's flourishes going on and patterns within patterns, but it just sounds like oh yeah that works. That's that's, that's a song. That's this song. I agree. Yeah, this is this is brilliant. I will admit that I never really thought about the lyrics on this album. I sang along to the ones Me I knew, either. but I never thought about it. But as you go through, you can definitely see there's a lot of stuff about death in this album. And this is the weird thing, right? Mm-hmm. I. When I've thought about grunge bands, Soundgarden were the band that I never thought about as being a particularly dour band. You know, they're not. Oh, really? They're not. They're not screaming trees with Mark Lanigan. Yeah. They're not Alice in Chains. Everything's a heroin anthem. They're not yeah. Nirvana with the. You know, they're the band with the big rock singer. Um, and I went, yeah, you know, they're a great band. I, and, you know, I know, oh, no, I'm wrong. I wasn't like, oh, they're the happiest band in the world. They're yeah, still yeah. within that oof. But I never, but listening to this with the spectre of Chris Cornell's suicide yeah, that, hanging it over does, it, it, does, it makes me go, oh, hang on. Mm. This, this was all here to see. Yeah. Obviously, there are breathtakingly dark moments in this record yeah. that we always knew. But sitting and pouring over them, you're like, oh, fuck, man. There's a lot of them. The, the, the mm. signs were here to see. Yeah. People say this is a song about wanting to die and be reborn. Mm-hmm. You know, but let me drown. Yeah. Uh, there's a, an absolute darkness in there. I mean, that's the concept of baptism, isn't it? Absolutely, it's yeah. Being, being reborn in water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, well, let's do track two. This uh-huh. one's called My Wave. Okay, listen. Just big riff. Bang, bang, bang. Yep. I mean, the sound of the guitars in this album is lovely. And straight in, man. And look, we've got another great kind of pounding, pulsing track here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as always, well, not as always, but as in the case, Chris Cornell is the difference maker in this track. Okay. You know, he's, again, very much sounding like he's just trying to rein in like a, you know a difficult horse trying to keep his voice <laughs> under control and just you know I, I, I used to I briefly had like a Type R Civic brand new Type R Civic what, right. a few years ago uh-huh. uh, and I was driving it and that car always wanted to go faster oh I see right and, and you know so I was and because my natural urge is always to go uh, yeah I was always trying to fight my instincts and fight the car to Keep it under control. And that's what this feels ah, like. Okay, that's nice. I like that. And this is a fucking, you know. So you, there's just so much good stuff in here. The weird timing change when it goes into the chorus. It's really off kilter. The super super squelchy bass. That's oh, in it, here. Yeah. Whenever the, again, this is a, this is in five four time. Yeah. Which it doesn't have to be. There's no. no reason for the band to go. Let's do this in five four. But they just made a riff and they put it together, and it happens to be in five four. Yeah. Fine. And the other thing I do like. Um, and if you go, if you listen right back to the start of this, one of the things I love in songs, and I don't know why, is a song that starts 
and you think, all right, that's the one beat. Yeah. I know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. And then the drums or the, or the bass or something comes in, and you go, oh, oh, that's the one. Yeah. And it just totally throws you off, but mm-hmm. comes in. I love that. And I was thinking some others. Uh, Swap Mate by Nirvana's one. Jesus, He Knows Me by Genesis. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Timbaland, give it to me. They start, and you go, I know where this is going. And then... It clicks in. You're like, I was totally wrong. I've been listening totally to wrong. Jesus Loves Me a lot this week. But, yeah. But the ghost cover. Oh, God, they do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're going to be playing the shit out of that download next oh, week. Sweet. And All I right. will be watching it. Lovely. Um, but, you yeah, know, the, the, when the bass comes in, I think it's about to come in here, uh, Ben Shepard had put it through a wah-wah pedal yeah. to get the proper squelchiness. The that's brilliant. That's, that's a great little uh, sound. That is a just so tight that riff constrained by the yeah yeah, yeah. and the, th- the, the thing about this tr- track though is that we say you only really hear these components it, if you really listen to it otherwise well, all you're hearing is just a good song oh totally and this is where I was for years and years and years I was going oh yeah I like that that's a good tune that's a good tune and I would you know fucking have a little bit of a shuffle to the riff mm-hmm. that's fine uh, sing along to the words that I did know but it was kind of an over a sheen of oh, this is decent when you really look at it, there's a lot going on. Yeah, man. yeah. And it's a long song. Um, you know, it's got a long outro that kind of deliberately plays with discord sure. and some breaks yeah. down. A little bit like we were talking about Nine Inch Nails last week, when, but mm. not sort of, you know, with that bit where he sounds like he's throwing a drum kit down the set of stairs. Yeah, man. Not quite to that level of, of like, oh, you know, super, super, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Stylization. Okay. But yeah, but, it, you know, but. It's, still an interesting parallel I think oh definitely I, I think there's a couple of bits that I because we'd just done Nine Inch Nails a couple of bits as I was listening to this going oh I see a similarity here yeah, or yeah. I see a, a, a kind of a technique or something there uh, alongside um, there's a, a lot of psychedelia and bizarreness especially in this bit that's just coming up yeah. it, it likes to go off on one and we see that sometimes coming back through and I think that was um, some some of the band, but also some of the new producers they brought in going, yeah. just try some shit. You know? Yeah, I mean, get, I, think, these... I think you can hear psychedelic aspect, uh, yeah, elements in in uh, Bad Mighty Finger in terms of no, that's fair. the yeah, level that's of fair. space rock that it is. Um, I mean, I, I, I did introduce here, man, but if you if you are watching this and feel like having a drink, we will introduce the, the, the PCL oh, yes. uh, drinking game, uh, which if you hear us say, it's got a bit of an Eastern feel, take a shot. Yep, that's the, that's the way forward. That's the way it goes. It is. And I think you'll probably uh, yeah, hear it a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> Because certainly got that, but yeah, I, yeah, my way, brilliant. Yeah, um, it was a few reviewers I saw compared this to a very Led Zeppelin song. I can see that. Yeah, yeah that yeah. comes through. There's other elements of different bands that we'll talk about. Certainly, something like Cashmere, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and the the idea behind it, my wave, uh, when he's saying, you know, uh, do what you want, but stay off my wave. It's, yeah. it's live and let live. It's you know, do whatever you fancy doing, but don't impact on me. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. It's a good tune. It's a really nice tune. This one isn't one of my favourites. I think it's very, very good. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's... It's in middling for me, which is, for an album like this, is fucking good. Yeah, it sounds know? like Damon with faint praise. But oh, it really is, yeah. Because yeah. there's so many good bits in it. it is, it's great. Um, it was a single in... It was a promo as a single in the US. Okay. And it was released uh, officially in Australia. Mm-hmm. For this song, but it wasn't in the, in the UK for some reason. I don't know oh, okay, why. Okay, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. Don't know why. Right. Well, track three mm-hmm. is "Fell on Black Days." Right, and this, this was, was a single. It yeah. was. This was actually the last single. So it was the fourth and last single in January of '95. So we're going to skip ahead a year. Um, but yeah, okay. "Fell on Black Days." And what I would say though is, as we play it, I think it's the first bona fide classic on this record. It's- 
amazing. Yes, I mean, fr- from the first time I heard this, I was I was just in love with it. Yeah, absolutely head over heels in love with it. The whole sound of it, yeah. everything. Yeah, uh, you know, low slung and it, uh, restraint is the is almost the word of they oh, and it just kind of it's just got this low key minor key it yeah. just captures that mood of depression yeah, totally. uh, the sad lethargy that comes with it yeah um, it's pure doom and gloom um, in the nicest way possible and there's something that they do a couple of times it, this song it can perpetually feels like it's just going down and dragging you down yeah. the whole way through even though it's not like it descending. It's not like doom, 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 or whatever. It just feels like it's bringing you yeah. down with it. And this is the thing, you know, when he's in this mode, Cornell's like not a histrionic rock god, but he's at his most soulful. Oh, the gorgeous voice. When it, in this, you know, and it, you know, again, a lot of the Temple of the Dog stuff as well kind of hits some right, of these sure. buttons. For yeah, me yeah, as yeah. Well. Um, I mean, oh, there's a bit coming up which is one of my favourite bits in this whole song because usually. As it comes into the the end of the, the verse, it, it goes right down. But this time, that bit where yeah, it yeah. doesn't go down, but it just brings you back up uh-huh. and back into the rest of the it's verse. Got, yeah, gorgeous. Oh, it, it gives me goosebumps. That bit, fucking fantastic. Yeah, and it is. And it's a, a whole suppressed pain and despair throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, the lyrics are. I'm a bit of an Eastern feel. Um, <laughs> whomsoever I've sickened, now and, and now I've uh, sorry, sorry. Whoever I've whomsoever I've cured, I've sickened yeah. now. These fucking lyrics, man. This fucking I sure don't mind a change in mm. a minute. Uh, the self-loathing throughout. Yeah, the self-loathing and uh, just the fear of fear, fear of I think being maybe misunderstood. But it fell, it fell on Black Days, and that's the title of the thing. And then, when this riff comes in, I wish I knew more about production, because whatever they've done to that guitar yeah. is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they did, what effect it is, what pedal they're using, but it's so... I sent it to India. Is it, yes, it's so fucking clean, and it's, it's misery distilled. It's, yeah. This all fits together brilliantly. There's almost this thing with Chris Cornell. I think it's probably part of the thing where I didn't quite get how sad he was. Because mm. there's a point where you're just like, how could he possibly be good at so good at something well, yeah. and be so sad? And of course, that is not the way that it works. That's not, yeah, that's that, not, that's not what your brain is thinking. There is a quote um, that he says that this song was, he's, uh, quote unquote, uh, an ongoing fear I've had for years a feeling that everyone gets you're happy with your life everything's going well things are exciting when all of a sudden you realise you're unhappy in the extreme to the point of being really really scared there's no particular event you can pin the feeling down to it's just you realise one day that everything your life is fucked yeah and you know if you do if this is a megastar that everybody wants to have sex with yeah and everyone thinks he's one of the most talented men in the world and he's going oh my life is fucked that, that is I mean that's just depression that's, that's yeah. the definition. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, this song is just crushing, man. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, again, it's one of those tracks that, like, when you listen to it in the aftermath of his death, mm. and you go, fuck, this guy isn't here anymore yeah. to give us these fucking songs. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I, I don't have any doubt that this guy would have had something to contribute. 
Oh, sure. When you saw the, 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 some of the last stuff he did, when he was doing his acoustic things, his solo stuff, yeah. there was, you know, there was still a lot of talent there, and there was emotions and stories he wanted to tell. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I'll tell you one thing that I am sad about as well is that you and I both went and saw Soundgarden at one of the Hyde Park uh, shows yeah. where they did this album in its entirety. Yeah. And I was too drunk to be able to remember it well. Yeah. Because I was fucked that day. I was absolutely oh, yeah, banjacked. Same, same as that. And I wish I remember their show better. I remember wow. bits of it, but I wish I, I wish I had a, a clearer thing in my head about it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, never mind. Never mind. And that's the other ones. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oops. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, no, that, that's fucking fantastic. Yeah, and I, mean, just, I think that's easily probably my favourites of the singles. Obviously, we won't we, we won't be putting uh, tracks on a playlist because it's not a number one album. Well, yeah, yeah. But I think we can both agree that oh, that, that would be a fucking... Straight that would be a on. Show in, yeah. Straight on. Okay, okay. Uh, so next one then, number four. Mailman, a track where... It, there's a couple of tracks on this album where if you're going... If you said to me, which Soundgarden album is the track Mailman on? Uh-huh. I'd go... Oh, I'm not. I'm not Mailman, sure because I, I really don't know a lot of the incidental track names of this. Right, I, I know the fuck. If you play me the song, I'll be like, "Oh, that's that's on." Soundgarden. I'm the same, mate. You know, that's this on is, uh, Super Unknown. But but yeah, as soon as this riff comes in, come on! I got like, oh yeah, this. One. Of course, I know this one. So we're we're back into kind of the bad motor finger riff territory this got, is again. Big Sabbath way. kind of sludgy oh, worship. It is Sabbath, yes. But again. The vocal just takes it in a very different direction. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, exactly. If you had this and it was Sabbath and then Ozzy came in, it would be a totally different song. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Um, it's a song about coming into work early because you're going to kill your boss. I know, brilliant. Uh, it, wow, there you are. Um, and this was one of the things I thought about uh, comparison with Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, we're, we've got kind of a, a school shooter yeah, thing yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit of US gun violence. Uh, but the riff on this is a proper sludgy, swampy, slow, doomy riff. Um, it's it's wonderful feel to it. And then this bit, yeah, whenever he comes in, this. I know I'm heading for the bottom. Yeah, and I'm going straight to hell, man. Yeah. But then he turns it around. He says, "I know I'm. If I do this, I'm heading for the bottom." But. I'm riding and you all as the he way. Goes and he just starts really belting this out as the song goes on. Yeah. Riding you. And yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um you know, the so chorus is that, I know man. this is gonna end me. If I if I if go and go into my workplace and shoot my boss, I know that's the end of me, but you know, fuck it, I'm taking you with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Sure. It's it's proper nihilism. Yeah. I've got very little else to say about this song mm. meaningful other than I fucking love this and it's another great little tempo check because this what, what's so good about this album mm. is it changes tempo constantly right yeah it's not just one you thing. know exactly this is very much not a one note album yeah yeah um, there are a couple of lines I picked out uh, for all the times when you made me disappear this time I'm sure you'll know that I am here yeah. that's absolutely yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. your manifesto note mm-hmm. yeah now this is this is great um, track four we're in track four of a, we're, we're going to call it a 16-track album. Yeah. So we're a quarter of the way through. Every single song so far has been banging. Uh, okay, well, yeah, no, I, I love that tune. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. The uh, next one, then, is... Super Unknown. Title the track. title track. It must be good. It's the title track. Oh, come on, a big change. Here we are. 
up tempo, bang, fucking just proper seventies mm. worship than a guitar riff. Yep. And it just fucking shreds this track, man. It bright, along, yeah. bright and out there. But I tell you what, go on. I've listened to this song for thirty years. Yes. And today, reading it with the lyrics, is the first time I realised that the lyric is alive in the super unknown and not alone in the super unknown. Oh, really? I've always thought it was alone in the super unknown. Oh, right. Oh, Cause, God. Because that... it scans, and I, oh, I heard yeah. it, and I listened to it, and I go, oh, no, it obviously says that when you hear it. Yeah. But I obviously heard it at that at some point, got that in my head, and I've never... And stuck. N- yeah. <laughs> right. First time, first time today. How weird is that, though? Yeah. 30 years later, yeah. Well, listen to that fucking vocal, man. Oh, this is it. He's, he's really going for it on this. It's a very different Cornell uh, performance on this one. He said that this is a song either about birth or death, but it's about being thrust into something that you don't know anything yeah. about. The super unknown. Mm-hmm. And weirdly, on this one, I think the verses are great. You know, yeah. I, think, I think that whenever this build up is, is really good mm-hmm. but when the chorus hits it really hits hits the sweet spot for me oh good yeah. I, I really about, thought you were about to say that. I, was, I thought you were about to say the opposite and I was, oh, like, right, no. uh, and I was about to violently disagree right, with no, you no no yeah, no I agree. This, when, this, when this guitar comes back, back. in here mm, that, that pause beautiful and the, yeah, that kind of that down pick in do you know what I mean? oh yeah it was brilliant but yeah, this bit here is, is wonderful. Yeah, it, yeah. The, the verses are very good, but this is the centre But so much of this is about Ben Shepard and what Ben Shepard's doing. Yeah. Oh, but that bass underneath it. Yeah, it's glorious. fucking just driving the whole thing. But, and again, Matt Cameron drums. Oh. But the, the, the production on this, where they've made the decision to really keep the drums at the top of the... Yeah. So you can hear everything he's doing. I love that they have. Yeah, yeah. Because you, with a lot of Stoner Rock... You can, you can keep it sort of down in the mix because it's not the, the primary thing, it's not the riff maker, but they haven't with this. And, I'm fucking unhappy. I, and let's say, I mean, there is an element of restraint throughout the guitar production mm-hmm. throughout this record mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I think if, if this had had um, bad motor finger-esque guitars throughout yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it would change the tone of the songs completely and probably not... It, you know, probably not for its benefit. Oh, well, I suspect I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as I did in 94 yeah. because, yeah, they've toned down the metal edges, like the, the real fucking furious metal. You, I love the way you said that, literally, as he delivered one of the most metally delivered it, vocals it, on the whole record. <laughs> and, you know, whenever the, the guitar solo of this does come in, uh, yeah. let's see, is it soon? Is it coming up? Um, it is brilliantly placed, yeah. Um, but it isn't. It's not. I'm trying to think. It's, we always say fucking Malmsteen or someone like that. It's not like that. It's more interesting. There are some more psychedelic elements again in it. Um, there's a lot happening. It's not just look how many notes I can play in it. Yeah, it's yeah. not like that kind of. It's not that kind of um, like, you know sweet picking or whatever. It, mm-hmm. It's more in that um, like Hendrix kind of wig yeah, out yeah, kind of yes, house yes. of or, guitar sampling and you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. Kind of bluesy kind of. Very Hazy. much. Yeah. It fits in with what they're doing. I think it would stand out, like you say, if they, if they did the more Bad Motor Finger stuff uh, in the middle of this, it would, it would be stand out. It would be jarring. That, that fucking hold and that... Yeah. He's off. And it is. Come it's, on. it's shredding, but it's controlled shredding mm-hmm. or whatever it is. I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Now, this is a brilliant song. 
brilliant, brilliant. This could have been a single, easily. Oh, easily, easily. Yeah. I love this man. This is, you know, again, there's the, the, uh, there's thinkers and there's just fucking rockers on this record. Sure. And this the is, fact that there's so many, the fact that one comes after the other mm-hmm. all the time, it's, you know... This is proper Monster Magnet territory for me. Oh, yeah, like, without you know, a doubt. This could easily be Monster Magnet. Yes. Yeah, it really is. This would fit into, into you know, just after Twitter or something. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Right. right. Well, so well, this... Oh, I mean, you say, you know, the, the, the sort of the different feels on the record. So mm-hmm. we've just gone from that. And then track six, Head Down. Again, a track that if you... Yeah, I mean, is it is it called Head Down or is it called Head? Head Down. Head Down, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I, I probably remember... I'd be like, Head Down, oh yeah, it's got that lyric on it. Yeah. But yeah, but I probably wouldn't remember the name of this track. No, no, not at all. And if you'd said to me... But look, yeah, listen to that, man. That kind of... T- I love that riff, man. Gorgeous. Do you not think this sounds like kind of a heavy Beatles? Oh, hugely. Yeah. I've got a massive thing about the Beatles in this. Yeah, yeah. And again, this is is what we're talking about. The variety of songwriting on display across this album so far. We've had all those moods. Now we've got this, right? Yeah. You always know it's the same band because there's a signature to it, but the songs are so distinct. And that's something that I feel it's it's hard to see in modern bands. And maybe it's the death of the album that's kind of done it. Right. But this is, yeah, this is gloriously... Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, this is, you know, take a shot. This is a bit of an Eastern feel. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. But, no, Beatles is easily my touch point on this one. I think they were listening to Beatles. And, again, I've read that uh, Michael Beanhorn, the producer, and Brendan O'Brien, who was writing mm-hmm. as well, they both were kind of going, no, 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 try this. You know, you, you love the Beatles. Yeah. Because that, they, they did, Chris especially, I think. And they were like, well, look, why don't you make a song that would be you know if you were doing what they were doing in the 60s mm-hmm. try it give it a go um, they're, they're quoted the band are quoted saying that they, some songs have a definite Beatles influence this right. is one of them Kim Fayol said that uh, is it Fayol or Thayol I, I think oh, I, I've always said Thayol but right. I, I don't really know he, he says that we look deep down inside the very core of our souls and there was a little Ringo sitting there right. oh sure we like telling people it's John Lennon or George Harrison but when you really look deep inside the sound garden there's a little Ringo wanting to get out nice so yeah no they absolutely accept uh, a Beatles influence and inspiration and this is 100% uh, that kind of the late era Beatles where they were just going for it this is, this is one of their more out there tunes on this yeah, album yeah. I mean it's, it's almost incidental on the album in a way mm. but it's fucking indispensable to the sound of the record oh it's wonderful it's, it, and you know, track 6 is, is sort of in the middle I, I think Cornell's having a lot of fun with this because yeah. he's just multi-tracking himself he's you know mm-hmm. he's doing low parts he's doing, doing the high I think he's enjoying experimentation mm-hmm. um, and I, get, I know I, I say it but the drums on this are fucking wonderful. Oh, they he's absolutely given are. free reign to go to be creative with this. You know, he's not just doing a four-four or a five-four or six-four, whatever. He's allowed to use the whole kit yeah. and play what you think fits this song, and it's wonderful. And it falls apart. And he's kind of like Bonamy little kind of drum rolls sure. at the end, and, oh. and uh, Bonamesque, not not Bonamy, Bonamy, Bonamy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and it does it goes a little bit kind of weird in places it's it's six minutes long this song and perhaps, perhaps it doesn't need to be perhaps it doesn't but I, I, you know I don't mind it I, I, I think there's only one moment on this record where it where anything really overstays its welcome I and mean, I don't think this is it right um, but yeah no brilliant man I, yeah. I really like this track yeah no totally um, I, there were a few 
because I'd not listened to this in a long time, same mm-hmm. as yourself, there were a few that instantly I was, uh, oh yeah, I recognise this, I remember this, and there was a couple I was like, oh, I'm really pleased I've listened to this again. This is yeah, one of them. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. just just really grabs you, this one. Mm-hmm. I do, I, I really enjoy it. Okay, so that's track number six. Okay, so track number seven is um, oh. is one of the ones that I doubt you'd forgotten. Where quite. Uh, yeah, so this, this is obviously sound, by far Soundgarden's biggest song, uh, Black Hole Sun. Yeah. And again, this song became so overplayed. That's the issue for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it is easy to forget what a good song this is and how remarkable it is a song quite as weird as this yep. is as big as it is. A huge hit. Yeah. I mean, it was helped World along struggle. by that video. That For sure. Yeah. It was... Uh, this In 94, uh, when this was released... Uh, I went to New York for a few weeks in the mm-hmm. summertime and I was watching as much MTV as I could because that's where I would see MTV. Didn't, yeah. have, didn't have it at home. And the video for Black Hole Sun was, it was permanent. It felt like it was every other song, you know, but, because but, it was such a perfect Again, the, fir- the first time you see that video, you're just like, oh, fuck, I need to see that oh, again. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like, what did I just watch? Yeah. Brilliant. I, I think I remember watching MTV and seeing it and just watching MTV like for an hour and a half, two hours, solidly hoping they'd play it yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's obviously the lyrics in this one. He's you know he's gone out and said they're just kind of deliberately serious. serious. Yeah, they're not really about true. anything particularly. He's just playing with words. Sure. Yeah. He said it was more, it's true. He wrote this song in 15 minutes. He says, which is yeah. absolutely mental. And it, it has that thing that all good Soundgarden songs has, which is a kind of a bit of a not not all good Soundgardens, but a lot of good Soundgardens. Mm. It's a kind of a weird brightness with just this kind of dark underbelly mm. that's there if you kind of squint your eyes to see it. You oh, know? sure, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how much more I've got to say about this song that, that hasn't been said already. You well, know? indeed. But this is another one that even like all the critics and the reviewers, they spotted Beatles in this one. Yeah. And this uh, is a course. very Beatles-esque yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah like kind of that, magical mystery tour era. That, that, that little kind of watery guitar in the background, mm. it, there's so much that you can attribute back to that for sure. Um, but yeah, he, he says he wrote it in 15 minutes. Uh, he, he kind of heard a news reporter, he misheard a news reporter, say what he thought was the phrase Black Hole Song. Yeah. It wasn't. But he went, that would be a good title for a song. I'm going to write a song about that. He came up with some guitar lines in his head, whistled it into a dictaphone, came up with the lyrics the next day, and they put it on. And it's like, Jesus Christ, this is the biggest song of your career. Yeah. And this was something you thought of and went, that might work. And okay, just let's do this. Um, there is there's a quote from um, I think, let me just find it oh uh, the, the producer Michael Beanhorn he, in an interview in 2017 he said I think for the rest of my entire life until I draw my last breath I'll never ever forget how I felt when they started playing that song from the very first few notes I felt like I'd been hit like a thunderbolt I was absolutely stunned I still get goosebumps thinking about it now it's like yeah. it, it, it is one of those songs you go it's an instant. Yeah, this is going to be a yeah, single. Yeah. This is a radio hit. And you're at the both. You're at the birth of it. Imagine. Imagine, oh, dude. Yeah, Kim Thiel said um, it wasn't as safe as milk, but it wasn't glass in someone's eye either. It was a spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down. Now it's the dream on of our set. Yeah, yeah this is like the, the ubiquitous. This is the one that everyone knows, even if no one, if they don't know any other Soundgarden song. Yeah, you know this. They song. know this. Song. You've heard this. It's been on TV. It's been yeah. everywhere. It's, yeah. It's great. It's 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 a it's a great song. Um, uh, it's it, it's lost its original impact on me. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I remember going fucking crazy for this song when it came out. Oh, I totally. To it so much. Totally. And I also remember 
because it was huge and everyone was requesting this in the clubs, it got played loads. It's, you can't dance to this song. No. It's slow and ponderous, mm-hmm. and there's the bits where you go, can't dance this. But people fucking tried because yeah. you have to give it Last a go. Last song of the night. You know yeah, I mean? true. Anyway, right. Yeah, so this. Well, uh, oh, sorry, tell sorry, you some sorry, more shit. Um, this is their. So it is the highest charting single in the UK. It sold over three million copies worldwide. Um, there is. It's the most recognisable of their songs. Yeah. Um, and apparently, in the US, for the decade 2010 to 2019, uh, it was the ninth most played song on mainstream rock radio. Wow. Yeah. So, and, but all of the top ten songs were from the nineties. It turns no, out that doesn't surprise no, me. No, it was they were all there, but this was still the ninth most played song on mainstream rock radio. Um, it won the 1995 Grammy for best hard rock performance. Mm-hmm. It was nominated for best rock song, but lost to Springsteen's "Streets of Philadelphia." Yeah. Rock song? Well, yeah, not really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it did. It won the video for the best metal and hard rock video at the MTV Music Video Awards. Yeah. Um, and the video, like we have said, it's a classic, instant classic. Mm-hmm. But it was directed by. Uh, a guy called Hard Greenhawk Greenhawk um, who we saw before because he did all those really terrible videos for the Pet Shop Boys that's him the guy he did the, oh, wow. the, the, the bad CGI oh yeah 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 um, he'd obviously find his footing a little bit by this point yeah 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 but yeah he also did some for Enigma and Deep Forest but yeah, I guess no, we can't talk no about thanks, no thank no, no thank no thank yeah now this is this is uh, this is lightning in a bottle this one. Oh, yeah you know um, and they couldn't they couldn't stop it from going stratospheric no no, um, but weirdly, it was the third single. It wasn't the first single. Uh, they, they, the record company or the band, whoever went, no, don't do it yet. Maybe it was a plan. It was like we've always got Black Hole Sun in the bag yeah. for down the mar- uh, line marketing. But I mean, I think if you put this song out first, your entire fan base says you've sold out. That's very possible too. Yeah, that's very possible. Well, okay. Well, let's do what was the first single then, mm-hmm. and the first thing I heard definitely. This is Spoon Man. And again, this is another one of those songs with a really old time signature. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Basically, the main riff is in 7 4. Yeah. And the chorus is in 4 4. And the breakdown in the middle is in 3 4. So this is, yeah. This is fucked completely. Yeah. Again, kind of don't notice it until you try and dance to it. Exactly. You're like, oh, wait, wait for it. Yeah. I've got it. And especially when it does the breakdown, what do you do dancing to that? Yeah, whenever they're playing the spoons. And for me, this song doesn't have like the emotional heft or the amount of stuff to talk about some of the other tracks. Sure. But it kind of doesn't need to, because, it, it, again, it just rocks pretty hard. It does. I was slightly deflated when I heard this. This was the first single, therefore right. the first thing I heard. I was slightly deflated, because the, the hype that I've been reading leading me up to this, like, okay, brilliant, I, I really want to hear this. And I thought this was good, mm-hmm. but I also thought it was a bit too... Chaotic or something like that. I quite. I mean, I, yeah, I think I. I think that those are the bits I like about it. Gotcha. The, I think some of the lyrics and some of the rhymes are a little on the nose. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for uh, for me, um, but you know, it's got some great licks in it and uh, some really good mm-hmm. guitar licks in this song. Mm-hmm. The rhythms just fucking, you know. Well, rock this, out. this is a drum-based track for yeah. me. You know. It's it's non-stop beats going through this, yeah. yeah. And yeah, everything else is in trying to is trying to notch into the pocket of what's going on there, isn't mm-hmm. it? Really. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a fucking spoon salad. It's a banger, man. It's it is, and you know, I'm saying that maybe this wasn't the one that would get me into the album, but uh, 
Ben Shepard, is, he's on record as saying that he thinks it was a great first choice for a single. Um, he said it jumps out at you instantly. You know how you listen to a record. There's one song that literally seems to leap out the speakers. Spoonman. Spoonman did that for me. So, for some people, this was exactly what they were after. I, I think this is a great record. I, I've, I've, again, I've heard it an awful lot, yeah. and as with everything, the this was probably an initial highlight for me. And as such, okay. it's. It's you know it's, it's less of that now. Indeed, I would put this in the bottom half of the album for uh, me. No, this is mid tier for me. Is it okay? But uh, yeah, it, I don't think I'd ever go it, it, top mid tier as well. Sure, but uh, yeah, certainly not an absolute highlight as it prob- possibly once would have been. Gotcha. Okay, um, just a bit of background about the the spoon man of the title. Um, is a guy called Artist the Spoon Man. Yeah, he was a street performer in uh, California yep. and then Seattle. Who played the spoons, obviously. Um, And apparently the song was... Originally, whenever they were in the singles film, uh, when uh, some members of Soundgarden were in the uh, the band with some of Pearl Jam for singles, Jeff Ament from Pearl Jam, he put together a list of potential band names. um, And it ended up being Citizen Dick, which is a great band name. Um, But one of them was Spoonman. It Mm -hmm. was on the list. And so Chris Cornell liked it and decided that he was going to use this list to write songs... Uh, for, of those titles for right. the, the the film, and this was he did a, a, an acoustic version for the film, but this is a very very different one that he actually sort of uh, bulked up and uh, made made into a proper fleshed out song. Yeah, I, I really love where his vocal is in the mix there. Oh yeah, just like off to one side and far away. It, it is, yeah. yeah, it is. It's sort of w- weirdly washing around your head. There. Yeah, brilliant. Anyway, okay, all right, excellent. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I like this one. I think it's a banger. Okay, cool. I mean, we're now halfway through the album, so that's track eight of sixteen. Uh, and yeah, no, I'm I'm still I'm still saying these are these are great tunes. Even if I'm saying it's not one of my favourites, it's still a good, very good tune. Okay, so now we're going to get into Limo Wreck. Right, number nine. Now, this is not an immediate track for me. Um, okay, but it is like the the definition of a of a slow burner. Right, mm-hmm. probably. The downbeat low point on this record, arguably. So, what do you mean by downbeat in terms of most miserable? As, yeah, most miserable. It's either that or maybe it could be um, um, like suicide. Uh, I mean, I, I think Fourth of July, maybe. What's that? Right. But um, but you know, yeah, this is, this is downbeat and dismal. And again, this is another one that just for me is a forever downwards trajectory, yeah. just pulling me down. Yeah. And everything on this record sounds sad. Yes. And then he goes, fucking. The vocal, with that vocal with that guitar, very, very Sabbath again yeah, yeah. in the guitars. Gorgeous, this. Yeah, it's funeral is the Absolutely word. brilliant. Uh, yeah. And there's a pulse to it. It, it, it. it throbs along, really. This one feels like, again, I find this one of, like, post, post Cornell's death, yeah. the hardest listen on the record. Right, okay. Just because it feels, you can just feel how dark a place this song was fucking written in. Mm. That, that Don't ask me why. That as he holds the timber in it, but almost, it, like, there's no flourish in it. It's just dar, you know? Sure. Uh, it, 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 why it did is. I say that like that? Like, dar. Like, like it should be dour. pronounced dar. Yeah. yeah, you said it right, mate. Um, dour. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, then, because then, it is, it's, it's like, just filthy, sad down. <laughs> but... Whenever, whenever this bit comes in with the guitars, the kind of stabbing yeah. guitars. Going down. Oh, mate! Come on! 
Oh my god. Jesus, that is just brilliant. Yeah. It's uh, ramping up the tension as it goes into the this chorus. And this one, I do think the chorus isn't as good. I think the verses are fucking brilliant. Yeah. I, I, I and this agree. one I think the chorus is like, oh okay, fine. I think the chorus is actually one this chorus is one of the low points of the record. Right. But I think the song itself I think, personally, I think this song is a mixed bag. I think it's mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. And this is the part that I think it does. I think this song overstays its welcome. Oh, I see. And it, right, okay. And I think it threatens that it actually is the only time in what I think is a fairly perfectly paced record mm-hmm. that this song threatens to knock the pace of the album off. But Ooh, I have listened right. to this record and skipped this song. Yeah. And that also changes the album for the worse right, okay. it needs I, 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 I've thought about this a lot this album the way it's put together is pretty much perfect mm-hmm. and this is probably a, a, a summing up at the end thing rather mm. than the right now thing but if you lose this emotion here on this record it changes the record okay um, but I do think this song is too long it, it, yeah, right put this it, song is about four minutes five minutes and Right, because this is nearly six minutes long. Yeah. This song. I, I, I would disagree. I think because I love the riff and the feel so much of the verses. Yeah, it's the chorus. If you know, if they changed it or did something different that I'd like that, I'd think this was a perfect fucking song. I think it's so good. It's so good for me. The other bits um, that I, I wouldn't lose that at all. Yeah, um, and it's about uh, it's called limo wreck. Mm-hmm. It's kind of about how privilege and wealth and fame or whatever won't stop you dying nah you know you, you will have all the nice accoutrements and it will put up a lot of barricades to harming mm-hmm. but it won't stop it won't stop you dying at some no, point well, as we found well, fucking right mate yeah um, and this is a time signature set time signature of 15, 15 over 8 yeah. what the fuck man this bit though I love this kind of this how do you count eight. to 15 without getting tired <laughs> oh it's crazy this bit it, it's there's a real Again, when the, when the guitars come back in uh, more fierce, there's a, a, kind of an apocalyptic feel to it. Like, uh, I don't know. I was just pulling I, me down into an abyss. I, 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 I think that's part of the problem for me because I feel this song so acutely mm. that I think it kind of stops me having fun by the end. <laughs> Do you know oh, what yeah, I mean? No, I get that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's uh, like I almost need cheering up. Right. Uh, yeah, no, I get that, but I... Fucking the the feel of Blink it. Blink Ridiculous. That fucking. There's, there are there are some insane vocal flourishes in this. Yeah, sure, man. Yeah. Brilliant. But uh, the thing is, we've still got like a minute to go. So yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Yeah. I, I could have done it there. Yeah. That's well, hey, there we go. I'll fade it. All right, there you go. Perfect song. Right. Uh, okay, so that's it, there you go. That's what happens if you produce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't we do an album yeah. like that where it was just. The, the producer had just gone, all right, stop. Yeah. Yeah, fade that part. We've still got three. Fade it now. Fade it now. Fade it. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay, next one is called The Day I Tried to Live. This mm. is obviously a single as well. It certainly was. It was the second single. Yeah. Um, oh, it, hang on a minute. Open your bottle. Take a drink. Oh. I believe it's a bit of an Easter feel. It's an Easter feel. Classic. It's only got to number 42 in the UK, in the charts. Did it really? Only number 42. It was the second single, April 94, and it didn't even make top 40. English people are cunts. Aren't they? But yeah, so you've got this intro. 
And then the bass comes oh, in. It's right. just an absolute pound. Oh, that's joy. That's pure joy. That's not almost, you know, that's almost dub. Sure. And this one has decided for some reason that it wants to be in one measure of 7-4 and then two of 4-4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? Why not? And, yeah, again, this, when it, this is singing over, and that's a restraint right there. Yeah, it's a song about trying to be normal. Yes. Trying to be like, no, actually, no, I'll, I'll fight against my own bad instincts and I'll go yeah. out and I'll be a normal person in the world. And it's yeah, about, yeah. you know, being... Uh, you know, it's it, it, a square peg in a round hole, mm-hmm. but making the effort but and trying. Yeah, yeah. and there's yeah. a hopefulness to it. But listen, that high rising, elegiac vocal mm-hmm. we're going to go. Isn't with it so good oh, that he can Lord. do that, man? Because yeah. he was—he was just doing that low key, uh, sort of bubbling over the top. But when he wants to, he just shrieks like a banshee. But you're hearing that, and you're like, you've still got another fucking three years. Oh, after sure. That. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so one more time around might do it. That that is the even if it's not work today, you know, if you got up and you tried to be sociable and you tried to fit into society, if it didn't work today. Fucking one more time around might do it. You never know. Next time okay. might be the one. Uh, mate, having spent a lifetime uh, trying to go, oh, how can I fix these parts of my personality? Mm-hmm. Until I went, oh no, I just can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know this so fucking well yeah I know it so well yeah, no, it, 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 I mean you can see in here there's self-loathing and extremists it's proper what 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 is wrong with me yeah yeah, yeah. what is wrong with me and it's a downward spiral this is another one I thought like Nine Inch Nails it's, it's, it's a proper spiral especially that the, the, the little bass of downward dum 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 it's spiralling and spiralling plus there's references to people as pigs in this song so it kind of there's, there's a, an equivalence I mean, I, I this is one of my favourites as well. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, it's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it almost feels like a basic bitch answer because it was a single, but I mean, it's perfect. Yeah, uh, it's again the guitar sounds on it really do it for me. The the bass lick in the in the verse and the chorus, the, the, that descending riff, brilliant. Everything about this is is terrific. I think. Day I tried to live and uh, five minutes twenty. So this one is nearly as long as Limo Wreck, the previous one, but this, right. this, every bit of this works. Yeah, if you if you like if you if you ask me how long this was, I'd be like, oh, this is probably like close to four minutes. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, there there are here like this squelchy bass and stuff. More squelch. Yeah, no, there's bits that you forget about in this song, and I suspect there was probably a radio edit that didn't have this in. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I bet. The, I bet this radio edit it didn't have any of this yeah. in the final bit. But yeah, when you go back into it, uh, it's just. Lovely, 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 and there he's off go. again. Bam! Yeah, man. Okay, cool. I know. Winner, winner. Chicken dinner. Yeah. yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? We do that. Okay, so next track, shortest track on the album. Shortest by a long way. By yeah, by well, well, well. Oh yeah, but, but by in thirty. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is Kickstand. So this is ubiquitous punk rock stomp. Sure, this kind of sticks in there. If this track could, if this album could live without any track, I would say it would be this one. I've got the exact same thing. I'd be more than happy if this didn't wasn't there because this really stands out as a, an outlier for me. I mean, I don't mind it because I'm used to it. Yeah, I'm used to it. Um, sure, but it's you know, I, I, I'm not sure what it 
No. But I don't think it detracts. No. But I suspect if I were making... If I were making a CD to give to someone uh, and I had to lose one, easily this would be the oh, one. Yeah, yeah. I would skip this if I was listening to it, you know, and I had the remote in my hand. I'd be like, yeah, whatever, this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then I'm, not, I'm not a big kind of punky fan. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, and so it's fine. It's absolutely fine. And it's only fucking 90 seconds long. I'll, I'll survive. You say that. You like loads of really punky stuff. Well, maybe, yeah. Fucking like, like McCluskey and... No, yeah. sure. I don't know. The, this, this Nirvana. Maybe this... Yeah, I don't know. This, maybe this isn't what I want from Soundgarden on this well, album. Possibly. Yeah. This, does, this, this would fit on some of their other albums much better. Um, I think this was... Uh, this, this was the first song that they recorded yeah. for the album. So maybe that's... It's, it's more of a hangover from the previous stuff like that. Yeah, I think that seems right. You know, it, you know, it's kind of lost here in the kind of the back end of it. But, you know, it's yeah. between The Day I Tried to Live and the next track, which is Fresh Trendrels. Yeah. And I also don't really understand what it's about. Kickstand. It feels like he's saying... That he's, you know, he's lost his balance and he's thrown up. You know, it feels like... Oh, kickstand, you got loose and I threw up. Yeah, kickstand, you got the juice to fill my cup. Yeah. I don't know what he's trying to say. Uh, It feels like he's, I don't know, maybe he's feeling like like the kickstand is like kind of common sense and his sense and his sobriety and he's like... It's that you know he's lost that and now he's I I don't know really I'm just I'm spitballing really no, I've, never, I've never really like I said I've never really given the lyrics on this album nah, a great deal of thought anyway so right. ne- next track is Fresh Tendrils uh huh this is a fucking riff oh it certainly is this is also the first song on what is side D of my double vinyl and I will admit that I didn't listen to D as much as I did A and B for example so this was one of my much less travelled songs look I I will say straight out this if you ask me to define this album in one song alright first question I would say is well you can't do it so varied but this is the song for me that defines this record okay because it's got everything in it it's, it's, this is one of my favourite Soundgarden songs oh wow I, I, I fucking love this song I think it's incredible it's got oh, everything gee, okay, it's got everything right. great riffs low slung bass like interesting rhythms and drums uh-huh. phrasing oh my god the phrasing in the chorus and then it gives way to that post chorus oh yeah, this yeah. song is fucking perfect oh that's interesting it. because for me this is this is mid tier oh, this so is absolutely mid tier this is this is like um, this is for me this is like the the free gift you get from listening to this album a lot because it won't get your first time you listen to this album a lot and you're like ah this is this is it this is the this is the fucking golden ticket at the bottom right sure yeah the Wonka bar you know (laughs) I love it it also this was on the B side of the first single on on, uh, Spoon Man so maybe you heard it as well on that and I don't know I don't think I ever had the single Right. No, I think this is this is good. It's a good central riff to it. It's that fucking background. <laughs> but no, this doesn't do it for me in this in the way that a lot of the other ones on here do. Yeah. Yeah, I love this band. I, oh, yeah, right, cool. I uh, listen, listen to it more is all I'll say. Well, that is entirely possible. That uh, one of the reasons that I I don't really remember it well um, is because it was the end of the album and I didn't always make it that far. Listen, that that little pace change in it. There's a riff goes. And he, he keeps his thing going the same way, and the riff just changes, it changes tempo. Right. Uh, there's so many little bits in this song that you're just like, that's so clever. 
Oh, right. I'm, I'm really pleased that you're a big fan because I, I'm just like, yeah, fine. There's a lot going on in there, that kind of the yeah. back. No? Okay. Cool, cool. Any more on that one? No, that's it for me. Just okay. Very happy with that. Brilliant then. fucking song. Fair play. Whenever, I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I've seen them a couple of times. I think I saw them once at... Did they do a Reading late 90s? They uh, Maybe they did. They, they, we did a download when they came back. Oh, no. I think it maybe was a download one. I remember that... Uh, the first time, because whenever I saw them at the High Park one, that was, uh, I don't know, 2013 or something? Right. So, whatever it was. It was later. I remember seeing them before that, uh, when they came back, it would have been sort of that comeback tour. And I thought they were really boring watching them live. Right. Because they didn't move, they didn't chat, they just played the songs. Mm-hmm. And I think they were playing a lot of stuff off whatever album that was. At the, yeah, King Adam the or whatever it yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, but if I, I can see that a song like Fresh Tendrils, if they played it live, yeah. and if they had a bit more a bit of fucking energy to it, I can see that would be a really good live tune because yeah. there is a lot going on. See, I've, I've, you know, sometimes when you're like, uh, you've maybe altered yourself a little bit to the uh, opinion, but I remember mm. that download, it was the one that Refuse played. Right. And I went, I've, I was with um, our friends, Matt Collis and Lanny, mm-hmm. and we walked through and we went and saw uh, Refused, and then we came and met everyone else to see Soundgarden. Right, yeah. And like I that Soundgarden performance is universally reviewed as being like okay. Yeah. Like Chris Cornell was reaching for a couple of notes and bits and pieces. I spoke to my friend Lee, who's a massive fan, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, Lee Lewis, friend of the show. Uh and she was like, Yeah, I didn't think that was that good, you know. And I but I was in such a good mood. I was a little bit lit. Uh-huh. Um and I I have such fond memories of that show. I don't really remember the show particularly, but I remember going, "This is fucking great." Oh, and right, I think yeah. we saw Sabbath afterwards or something like that as that well. Was, that's very possible. And I remember not really liking Sabbath that much. I think but that time oh, we saw okay. him. But I can't remember. But yeah, fucking Soundgarden just being like, "Yeah, this is incredible." Oh, really? And yeah, and so you know, like, you know, it's like that Pantera show that we saw that uh, is universally remembered as one of the worst things. But you know, we were there having fun and we were the drunk. best time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I had a really yeah. good time. Fucking anyway, brilliant. yeah. And, and, you know, had, had you seen Soundgarden any other time? Had you seen them any time in the nineties? I mean, I saw them supporting Guns N' Roses. Oh, you did in see, oh, of course, you did. Right. I saw them at Brixton Academy on um, the album after this, and okay. that was fucking great. Down on the upside, him. yeah, right. But I mean, again, down on the upside, an album that I don't really like. No, I think there's a couple of really good tunes on there, but I've not given it time. I will mm. admit that. I, I maybe let's. Oh, I've up. given it quite a bit of time, I and I and I do not like it no, particularly. Fine. I don't hate it, but I. It, but compared to Bad Motorfinger and that, well, is, when you're on a run like this, yeah, that's that's kind of and, and, hard you know, to, it's very difficult to overcome the disappointment of an album breaking it like that. It really is. Yeah, yeah I, I've I've had that many times. Yeah. Anyway, all right. All so, right. So next um, one on to Fourth of July. Yes. And now we're into absolute dirge. Oh, it's, this is this is the deepest darkest swamp. And you know. You know, like Limo Wreck in that regard, it's the, you know, it's more, which one is the most upset? I don't know. Okay. Which one, you know, but for me, what separates it here is this vocal line that he puts in. Because this is a song about a trip, isn't it? It's about him. Yes. Him. LSD. Uh, yeah. Hel- yes. LSD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not just going on like a bus trip. <laughs> Lysergic acid. Um, don't do drugs, kids. Uh, but it's about, yeah, him experiencing these things. And. And that's the thing, because obviously the track stays the same, pretty much. It's this kind of dirgy uh-huh. kind of... Boom, 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 boom. 
and he's just telling you this story over the top of it. And, you, know, yeah. you don't have to follow the narrative of the story, but you can kind of follow the journey of the vocal line. Sure, yeah, yeah there isn't really a story per se. Yeah. I mean, fuck me, if this is... I mean, it's definitely got an edgy, hallucinogenic feel to it, but, Christ, it doesn't seem like a trip I'd want to be on. No, I mean, I... Exactly. This, this feels more like if someone was talking about a fucking ketamine or something like that. Yeah. that it feels like that. It, it feels like they're all on it and they forced me to take some listening <laughs> to it. It feels like that. This, this doesn't feel like, ooh, interesting colours. Yeah, yeah. And, oh my God, my hand has turned into an elephant or whatever. It doesn't feel like that. Yeah. It feels like fear. Mm-hmm. You know, and that obviously that is one of the things that can happen. It's mm-hmm. like, oh shit. Oh, What's yeah. going on? Oh, I've definitely, definitely been on that side. Sure, of it but it, it is—it's it's disjointed and it's slightly unreal. It's this uncanny valley sort of mm-hmm. shit. Um, and the, as well, you hear him doing the low vocal and the high vocal mm-hmm. again on this. Like, the dichotomy going. What the, are these voices? What's going on? There's a real weirdness to this. But it, it, uh, this is the most slow and ponderous thing of yeah. the whole thing. For the chorus when it comes in, man. Like, I just, uh, just the, that, just the little vocal twist in the chorus. Uh-huh. I thought it was the end. You know? yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And, and the building, the drums crashing, the more cymbals coming in. I thought it was the Fourth of July. Yeah. So it's little, just extra notes that he puts in that another singer wouldn't. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is a, this is a great tune. Yeah, uh, this is, you know, in terms of the variety of stuff on this album, mm-hmm. this is one that you go, oh wow, they've gone here as well. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's great. It's never going to be a, a dance floor filler. It's never going to be a single. It's track unless 13. you're unless you're at camp cle- uh, club ketamine. <laughs> yes, quite. But yeah, I think it's a very ketty song for sure. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, so, cool. so that's yeah. the one. And then the next one, again, another one of these tracks whose song, whose title, I have never known. No, couldn't have told you this one at all. Is there a song called Half on Super Unknown? Wouldn't yeah, have thought so. Don't think so. Um, and uh, get ready to take the biggest drink of your <laughs> yeah, life. Really? Because man. fuck me. Yeah. Keep drinking throughout this. This is this is like Eastern Field the musical. <laughs> This is Slumdog Super Unknown. Right, yeah. And uh, interestingly, that is Ben Shepard there on the vocal. Yeah, he's singing on this. I mean, when I say singing... Yeah, he's doing whatever he's doing. This is a bit strange. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a little bit of colour. It's kind of an an integral piece on the record, but it's... uh, it, it's it's not really so much of a song as it is an interlude. It, it is a total interlude. This feels to me like a bit of a half-formed idea. Mm. And maybe they were trying some stuff, and this is what happened, and they decided not to take it any further. Mm. But then for some reason went, oh, we'll fucking leave it on. Right. Th- this smacks to me. If this is, this is Ben Shepard on the vocals, I'm not sure if he wrote the song, mm. and it's his idea he wanted to do it. This smacks to me of letting Ringo have a go. I mean, I quite like that little riff, though. It's all right. I mean, it... it this is, you know, again, harking back, this is hugely Beatles. Oh, for fuck's sake, Hugely, yeah. hugely I mean, Beatles yeah. in every single way. It's the second shortest song. It's only like two minutes long. And they have said, this is a 70-minute long album, right? Mm-hmm. There's 16 tracks on it. And they are uh, on record as saying that it is that long with that many songs because they didn't want to get into uh, what songs do we need to take off. Yeah. So it does feel like they're maybe wasn't really any culling well maybe that's the case yeah and I mean well I mean well, here we go I mean the, the interesting point is there kind of was because the next track mm-hmm. like Suicide mm-hmm. 
should be the last track on the album. Well, okay, yes. All right. So, yeah, I've got nothing more on this one on half. No, so, nothing else, all right. right? Let's get um, to but, the next So, we, this isn't going to be the last... So, obviously, this was, we'll talk about this a little bit here. Like Suicide was the last song on the original release. It's the last yes. song on the, spot, the current Spotify release. Yes. But on the version I had from the start of having this, yeah. it had an extra track on the end. So, whenever... Right, I'll start, start playing this underneath here. Um, did you have an original copy of your own from... Or well, did you have a tape of something? I think I had a tape from Darren's special edition. Ah, okay. And I think the special edition had this track on it from day one. Right. That's um, what I think. My vinyl has it on because it, it's 16. I think it was four yeah. sides. Might as well put 16 tracks yeah. on rather than 15. So it was on there. I knew it. But, yeah, so this is kind of the official ending. Yeah. This is the last song yeah. if, in, in that way. And this is, you know, uh, this is a song... I think the story behind this song is so fucking interesting. Yeah. Because this is a song about... He's recording something. A, a, a robin flies into a window. He hears it, goes upstairs, sees it dying. Yeah, it's broken its neck. It's broken its neck. It's in suffering, so he kills it with a, with a brick. Yeah. Right? And then, for me... He then goes and writes this song, and he turns this relatively incidental incident. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not incidental to take something's life. I'm not making no, no, no. light of that. But when you go through this song and you read the lyrics, and you just go, "Fuck me!" If that is how you're going through life, processing the minutia, sure, viewing stuff. Yeah, I'm just like. One, what a gift, but also, you poor bastard. Yeah. How fucking exhausting must that be? Sure. You know, I mean, Christ, I mean, like, she lived like a murder, but she died like a suicide, yeah. right? Brilliant line. What a fucking lyric. Brilliant a, line. You know, and the, like this this song in itself, right? There was just so much colour and so much poetry mm-hmm. in the lyric. And I, I, I must admit, the Dead Robin thing, I didn't know about it until I started. I had no this. idea. No. And I've, I, this has made me, I've always liked this song. But it made me, and I, I'm going into the album. I was like, "Oh, this one's gonna be really difficult. It's about suicide. And it's gonna be about." And I was like, sure. "I actually know it's not directly, but actually, when you think about it in that way, and you're like, oh, if this is your burden. If this is how you've got to fucking wring every detail of every emotion out, and you've got to process it through this filter. Uh-huh. I guess I understand that better. Right? Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think this is a fucking fantastic. Similar song. to you, right? I didn't know the, the Robin dying story. And whenever I had heard this, it's just like, you know, the lyrics, just like Suicide, and she, she lived like a murder. And if you don't know that story, it doesn't take away from the song at all, because no. it sounds like he's writing about... I mean, it sounds like he's writing about a person who lived fast and died young, yeah. um, who, who, you know, burned too brightly or hurt too much, whatever it was, and had to, to finish it all. Yeah. I mean, and this is out only months after Kurt Cobain died. Yeah. Right? You know, this, this is out in... Uh, May of 94, mm-hmm. or a month after Kurt Cobain died, I suppose. Um, and so you, you got that in your head, for sure. But then you, you read that it was an actual literal incident, but he's able to convey the messages that I got originally from this other story. It's brilliantly done. Yeah. Absolutely brilliantly done. Yeah, and it's, you know, so much of it is, I mean, like, you know, the tonality of this song, these, you know, kind of big, held, kind of long, kind of down, mm-hmm. minor key note. It sounds... Again, it's got that thing where it's it's downbeat, but with that brightness of his vocal through it, and it changes mm-hmm. it. 
you know, like whereas we mentioned that Lane Staley earlier. Like sure. Lane Staley is a fantastic singer, but he doesn't have the brightness in his voice. Oh, I see. It's always, it's always dark. like you, right. you know, there's pain in that voice that you don't necessarily hear. Like Chris Cornell's voice is so powerful. Again, it's like how can you be impacted? You know, it's, mm-hmm. how can you? You know, you you sound so strong. Some fucking drums coming through. As well. Yeah, brilliant. Now this this song to me is fucking brilliant, and I don't think I've realised until today how much I think this really should be the definitive close of this record. I totally agree. Yeah. It should be. It absolutely should be. And I guess it was. I don't know what the decision was, whether it was record companies going, oh, no, we'll give them... Because everything had a bonus track. Yeah. On very, we've got, Japan's got this bonus track. Yeah. Vinyl's got this. Whatever it is. But this, to me, is the end of this album. Because yeah. it is so... It's seven minutes long. By far the longest one. Um, and the themes... Where do you go from this? You know? It's so well done. Beautifully put together. Lines like... Dazed out in a garden bed with a broken neck, lays my broken gift just like suicide. Where where do you go from this? Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, it's horrible and it's uplifting. Mm-hmm. There is, I think, there is a hope to it because you can almost go. Well, Chris is saying it doesn't have to be this way, or isn't it tragic that this is the way that this happened? It would be much better if it didn't. And so there, there's there's a kind of a, a melancholy hope for us. I mean, and, you know, there's a, there's a beauty in this. You know, mm-hmm. there's a there's a thing of uh, it says something actually. You know, quite beautiful about the human condition because you can see something in pain and do something which is detrimental to yourself. Because mm-hmm. fucking, you know, unless you're a psychopath, killing something is oh, not a pleasurable no, no. thing, right? Uh, but you're doing this thing that you don't want to do to put this thing out of its misery. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a that's a, like a responsibility thing. That's like, oh, okay, right, sure. I've got the ability to do something, so I do. Yeah. And that's like humanity at its best almost, isn't yeah. it? So there is a, you know, there is a, a, an optimism in this through the song. But, you know. But I, then you take it at almost face value, mm-hmm. knowing uh, that Chris Cornell killed himself. Mm. And it's bleak as fuck oh, as well. Isn't it, though? Isn't because it, though? knowing how this all ended for him, to hear him singing this sort of thing is just cruel and horrible that that yeah. was what was going on. It's just like, dude, fucking... Oh, damn. I, uh, I, I wish there yeah. would have been another way for that guy. Yeah, man. But anyway, so this is, you know... Okay, so yeah, this is track 15, um, and... Yeah, I think we both agree, officially kind of the, the end yeah. of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, brilliant, brilliant song. This is one of the ones that, you know, if you said to me, all right, look, I need you to put together a five-track uh, Spotify playlist of non-singles to get mm-hmm. a friend in the Soundgarden or to, to show uh, the, the different sides of Soundgarden, I think that's a good one to put on. Oh, for you know, sure. That, 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 I mean, I would have, like, again, if we were doing that thing where it would be, uh, what, are the, what are the three tracks we're putting on the playlist? Oh, right, yeah. I feel like we wouldn't have a lot of disagreement that that oh, was no, I would on. happily do that, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Cool. What we'd be having an enormous argument about is fresh tendrils. Yes, but, apparently um, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, well, look, let's do track 16. Yeah, so this one's called She Likes Surprises. Mm-hmm. And, again, take your chop, because that's an Eastern feel if I ever heard really one. Is. And, you I know... That, that, that kind of weirdly out-of-tune bass. Boom, 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 that, boom, that makes no yeah. sense, but it's really nice. 
I think I'm, because this was on my vinyl, I absolutely remember it from the time. This yeah. was this is part of the, the the album for me. I wasn't yeah. aware that it wasn't on the actual album until I. I mean, it's Strawberry Fields, isn't it? Sure. You know, that's look. This is a perfectly decent song. Yes, and I like it. And I'd be if it, if I was watching them live. Fuck, I wish I was. Mm-hmm. And they put this into the place. I'd be like, oh fuck, they're playing oh, cool. this. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, great. And I'd I, I don't I if I. Um, I'm, as it stands, thinking about the album and trying to take the album apart and assess it, it feels like an unnecessary coda. Well, it's, it feels tagged on because it is. Yeah, yes, exactly that. But what they maybe should have done, if you ask me, and you know they really should have done. They should have, um, yeah. Take off half, take off the weird Ben Shepherd one, stick this on instead... So swap it so it's the second last track and then finish with like suicide. Maybe I don't know. I th- maybe I kind of f- it serves a little bit of purpose, but I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? All right, it's, anyway. it's fine. Exactly. It's I remember it well. It's very Beatles esque. There's nothing wrong with it. But yeah, by, by this point the album's already done and dusted for me. But there you go. Right, super unknown motherfucker. Pretty damn good. I think is uh, the kind of the overall consensus. As we knew it would be, because yeah. that's why we did the, the special. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Did people agree with us on Twitter? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, let's let's see if... Uh, yeah, we, we got this one out late, and I say we got this one out late. You remembered. Yeah, I, I, forgot, totally, I totally you forgot got to it out. So we haven't probably got as much feedback as we normally would, but I think we got a little bit. Yeah, we got uh, Big Jim Tartan on Twitter. as uh, all-time favourite right here. The title track is probably my top Soundgarden song ever. And the album, on the whole, is bulletproof. I love what came immediately before and after, but for me, this is where they struck the perfect balance of grind, melody, and grandeur. Eleven out of ten, classic. Yeah, and there's the the fact that there are so many different styles going on. um, You're absolutely right. It's it kind of takes it all into one place, and uh, you know. Holds it up with a shining light. Good take on that one yeah. there, Jim. Uh, uh, Dave Roddy, Rob yes, Roddy. Um, wow, where to start? Uh-huh. Uh, first single, Spoon Man, Mental, has a spoon sailor on it. Lots of songs on it, so varied. Obviously, the most com- commercial singles. Gutted, didn't see the planned tour as it was cancelled. Kurt's Death, perhaps. Uh, still sounds great, but prefer Bad Motor Finger. Okay. Uh, oh, there's, okay, there's a question. Because you, being a Soundgarden fan and being into Bad Motor Finger before. Yeah. Which one is your favourite of all Soundgarden albums? Uh, which is my favourite? Yes, Bad Motor Finger. It is. Okay. Which, which is the best objectively? Yeah. It's, it's super unknown. Yeah. Which is my favourite Bad Motor Finger? It's two different questions. No, no, I, yeah. no and I do, I get that. But you would still, if you were going to put an album on, you'd probably go stop that Bad Motor. Yeah. Finger. If I was, if I was going to put an album on for someone else, yeah, it would be super unknown. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, it is a thin divide. It's not much of a okay, divide. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Uh, Walker Tate, our our friend in the states. Hey Walker, uh, thank he, he you. Said, yeah, sent us a great message. Sent us a really nice message, and also, you know, big shout out to your cat Kisa, who sadly died uh, yesterday. Sorry, sorry, ma'am. We stand in solidarity with your cat. Um, Walker says, "I saw them when they reformed in the 2010s. Head Down was the best song they did live. And that's yeah. an interesting one because yeah, I would love to, to have seen that live at that point um, and remembered it." Some other factoids. One, the founding bass player, Hiro Yamamoto, is now the chief of organic chemistry for an analysis business. Brilliant. And two, Spoon Man was a busker that you'd see on the University of Washington campus, where I think Walker's from. So, yeah, there you nice. go. Nice, nice. Thank you, mate. Okay, Stephen McDade. Every single track has its own identity. It's beautifully sequenced, and it's a no-skip classic. Okay, maybe skip half, depending on your mood. Yeah, fair enough. There you go. You know, I would skip half, and I would probably skip uh, Kickstand. But, mate, on, on a 16-track album, that's not bad going. 
Uh, Lloyd, our, our mate Lloyd has got a, a, f- a lot to say about this one. Uh, blimey, how to fit this all into one tweet? He doesn't. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not ashamed to say, like probably many others, it was Black Hole Sun that brought me to this album, only really having the chart show on top of the pops to go by as no access to MTV. This album became a gateway to so many other bands for me, so it stands as an important waypoint on my music journey. It's a phenomenal work full of glorious riffs, Cameron's awesome drums, with you on that one, Lloyd, <laughs> topped off with in my humble opinion, the best rock vocalist going at the time. Love everything Cornell has done and was truly devastated when he left us. Really glad you chaps are doing a deep dive on this brilliant album. Congrats on the century. Keep it up. Thank you very much, Lloyd. And yeah, exactly, those those full points. I am totally with you on the, the drumming on this album. It's fucking ridiculously good and so interesting that he's not just doing boom, bah, boom. He's not doing that. He's given free reign to try some shit out. So fair play. Absolutely. So Impiscriber sent us a DM, uh, bought it from Falling in Love with Spoonman. What a song. It's a Sonic album, one song, uh, just like each and every song on the album. Super Unknown is a rare album in the, it's of its time and also timeless. Uh, Beatles' S Black Hole Sun is indelibly tinged with a foreshadowing sadness well, now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Niall from the Zeros podcast he said, Easter 94, I should have been studying for my eminent A-levels. Instead, I got pissed, watched compilations of The Simpsons that someone had taken from Sky, and listened to this album repeatedly. Best song, The Day I Tried to Live. That's, that's up there for me. It's not it's not my favourite song on there, but it's absolutely That's up. one of them, mate. Up absolutely. Them. Uh, big up Gaz Jones. Yes, Gaz. Uh, um, track One Sideband Podcast. Uh, reminds me when I was living in Saudi Arabia in 94 and the Spoonman video was on MTV every five minutes. Amazing album. So many ace deep cuts and hits. Spoonman was also one of the first drop D riffs I learned on the guitar. Ooh. Second best album of 94 after Trouble Come. Oh, always, always, always has to put it in. Yourself, always Gaz. puts it in. <laughs> Uh, Ollie Woodstock has said a small branch of Woolworth in the small town closest to my small uni college supplied me with a tape copy to play on my small stereo loved its big noise over and over auto reversing the heck out of it and wishing I'd paid more attention to their G&R support slot at oh, Wembley mate, that's been a fucking permanent feature of my life because I didn't really? pay any attention did you though. not no I didn't oh. know I didn't know I was, I was well, getting there was and it? I was at Wembley and was I was it 91 so was 92 Oh, was, oh, but had you not heard Bad Motorfinger by that point? Not really, no. no. Oh, I, it was shit. my first first gig, you know. Yeah, I was just there mate. and I was excited. Yeah. I heard it, but I just don't remember it. I've got Faith No More on next. So. Yeah, true. Anyway, um, that uh, yeah, and that, that is all the feedback we've got from Twitter. But thank you guys for yeah, getting man. in contact. As always, you guys are fucking awesome. So look, let's break it down, man. Where you okay. at? I think it's, it's fantastic. I think it holds up really well. I've not listened to the whole album in a long time. Yeah, so, well, uh, for, for a while for me, yeah. A long, long time. Still very much holds up for me as well it totally holds up um, there are bits in it that I had kind of forgotten but instantly came back to me whenever you hear that first opening riff or whatever um, there was some bits in the vocals or in the lyrics rather where I was like oh okay I didn't know that and it didn't make a big difference to me because that's not what I'm into Soundgarden for yeah. sometimes it added to it but in general I was like this is this is just as good as yeah. I remember I mean this is an all time classic for me for yeah. me sadder now Okay. than it used okay. to be. Sad, sadder than well, it used to be. it's got a lot more baggage. Uh, and, you know, I think it's difficult to listen to anything by Chris Cornell. I, you know, this, is, this isn't this is the Chris Cornell record that, that breaks me up the most. That's yeah. that's still always going to be Temple of the Dog. Sure. Um, just, you know, because of what it's about and, you know, what it's come to represent Paris' death. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what a fucking loss, man. What a loss. It's Huge. just, uh, you know, uh, just to the world. I, yeah. Soundgarden were always a band that kind of felt like mine and Chris Cornell just became... You know this huge 
global rock star. Mm, iconic. What a fucking shame he's gone, man. But look, um, that's I think that's a good way for us to end mm. our two our two album special. A couple mm-hmm. of great albums there. I think I really enjoyed yeah. taking that time out. I'm, exactly. I'm glad we did it. Uh, you know, it was a bit of a sidestep before we go back into Pink Floyd next time. But uh, it was good fun to do. But yeah, we'll we'll be back with Pink Floyd uh, next time. It won't be two weeks, I don't think, but it will. No. We'll do what we can. All good, all that. good. All right, guys, take care. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We're on Twitter at PCL Podcast, on Instagram also at PCL Podcast and facebook.com slash podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com. 